I'll tell you, one of the ladies that had the most influence on me when I was growing up was an elderly lady. She lived across the road, and she never had any children of her own. But I'll tell you what, she she took me in. She taught me manners. I came from two farm families, and manners, that wasn't a big thing in, in the old country farming. We weren't exactly cultured, and uh, so she taught me, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir and all, all kinds of other man, uh, manners. She had me recite the, everything I learned in school. She, she quizzed me every time I went out there, which is about once in a, every afternoon I'd go out to see her and sit on her, on her front porch swing. And so uh, my heart is fond of ladies, whether you've had children of your own or not. If you've had an influence on, on other children, uh, other people's children, uh, then this day is for you. So happy Mother's Day to you. Today we're going to look at if you want to be turning there to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, we're going to be looking uh, at a message I've, I've titled this, Lessons from a Godly Mother. We're going to be looking at a, a lady that, uh, by the name of Hannah. She's an uh, often overlooked Old Testament personality. As a matter of fact, I think her name is only mentioned in something like 11 verses in Scripture. We may be reading all 11 of them today. I don't think she's ever mentioned anywhere else. I'm not even sure she's ever even referenced anywhere else in Scripture. So uh, she was a godly woman, uh, and we're going to see she was a loving wife. We're going to see that she was a dedicated mother. And for some just this brief period of time, she stepped out of obscurity into the limelight, so to speak. And I think she has some things uh, that we can learn, and not just for women to learn, things uh, for men to learn. If, guys, if you haven't... If it hasn't dawned on you yet, we have a lot to learn from the ladies in our lives. And we're going to have some that we can learn from Hannah this morning. Hannah lived during the last days of Israel's judges. If you remember Jewish or Israeli history, so to speak, um, the, the Jewish people were captives in the land of Egypt. And the Lord led them out by the hand of Moses. Uh, for about 40 years, we know they wandered in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the land of Canaan. Uh, that 40 years of wandering is not, by the way, because God had no way of getting them where He wanted them to go. It was because of their disobedience. They made it clear they didn't, uh, they didn't want to follow His plan, so He said, okay, you don't have to follow my plan. You can just wander around and be up in the wilderness for 40 years. And the sad part is the people who disobeyed, the people who were unwilling to, to follow the Lord, died in the wilderness. It was only their children who got to enjoy the promised land. There's a lesson in there for us, isn't it? Rebellion against God's will is not a good idea. It never works out well, does it? But anyway, they, they wandered in the wilderness, and then the Lord did lead them into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And um, during the, the time of the wilderness wanderings, uh, God led them by the hand of Moses. Moses was their leader. After Moses, there was Joshua, and then they entered into a period of time when they were first, uh, those first decades that they were living in the, in the promised land, they were living in the time of Judges. The Lord would appoint a judge, and he would, he would guide his people. After that, they entered into the land, uh, or into a, a time when they demanded a king, and the Lord let them have a king. Uh, first it was Solomon, then David, and then David's descendants. Hannah was living in the last days of the judges of, uh, there in Israel. And we read this commentary of those time, that time period. Judges 21, you don't have to turn here, 21 verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. 
Does that sound familiar? It kind of sounds like the United States of America now, doesn't it? We've got laws. We don't have a king. We've got elected leaders, and yet people still do whatever they want, whatever's right in their eyes. And you only have to get on a single highway in North Carolina to realize people do what is right in their own eyes regarding speed, regarding... It never never ceases to amaze me, people driving 4,000 pounds of steel and plastic and rubber down the road in this direction, but they're looking in this direction or over here, and that car is still barreling down the road in this direction. That is scary to anyone who was uh, reasonably intelligent, right? Anyway, the, uh, the nation of Israel, they then proceeded, they began as a theocracy, a nation that was led by God. They then proceeded to a, uh, anarchy, to a, a nation who was, did whatever they wanted to do, and then they went to a monarchy, which was a, a, a government of, uh, led by a king. Out of this, Hannah comes in these last days of the, of the, uh, the judges, and when we meet her, she's a lady that has two problems, and we're going to see this as we, as we go forward. Two problems. First problem, she was married. That wasn't the problem. She was married to a wife, to a husband who had two wives. That's a serious problem. That's a serious problem for her husband. That's a serious problem for either of the wives. That's a serious problem for any of the children in that family, as a matter of fact. That was her first problem. Her husband appears to have been a godly man, but he was still a polygamist. That's a problem. That's an, uh, that's an affront to the Word of God, which is very clear. There should be one man and one woman come together in holy matrimony and live together as a couple. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That does not include one man, two women, three women. That does not include one woman and multiple men. That does not include one woman, one woman, one man, one man. All of those things are against the biblical standard of marriage, aren't they? And so she's in the midst of, of this kind of problem. The second problem she has is she's barren. She wasn't able to have any children. And because of that, she was tormented by the other wife in this union who was quite fertile, apparently. She had lots of children, apparently. And she, uh, she, she constantly tormented Hannah because of it. So Hannah's got these two problems. But she demonstrated faith because she was able to see past her problems and see the one who could help her with the problems and could provide a solution uh, for her. And that's what we're going to see. Her faith and her godly example resulted in blessings beyond herself, beyond her family, and her faith, her godly example, blessed the nation of Israel for many generations to come, and I think we'll see that as we look forward uh, in, in, uh, in our passage this morning. Before we begin reading, let's, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for the, the occasion. It is Mother's Day. I pray for these ladies among us who have... Uh, had a part in raising children, whether they were their own children or someone else's children. They've had a godly influence on them. They've been able to, to lead these young ones in a way that they should go. I pray, Father, that you bless these ladies here today. It would be a good day, a special day for them. I pray, Lord, also for the men who have uh, who've been on the receiving end of many of those blessings as well. We thank you, Lord, for our mothers. We thank you for our wives and for others who have had such a, an influence on our lives. We thank you so much for their... Uh, just for those blessings uh, that you've given. We thank you for the, allowing us to be in your house this morning. As we look into a portion of your word, Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts to receive what we can see here, to teach us today, make us teachable, and allow us to come away from this service having, uh, having received uh, something that will help us to be more effective in our day-to-day -day lives. 
And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to look just at a a portrait, so to speak, of Hannah as we look through these um, verses in 1 Samuel this morning. And the first thing we're going to see is Hannah's sadness. Look at verse 1. 1 Samuel 1. I think you're there already. We're going to read the first uh, eight verses. Now, there was a certain man of uh, Ramathium Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah to her, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So here we're seeing the setting. Hannah is living a life. Uh, she's, she's been constantly provoked by this this other wife, uh, it, it comes across as a, a bit childish if you read through the lines. Something like, nah, 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 I got some children. And that's, and, and that's, a, that's a, a very serious thing, isn't it? To have to live in that house like this day after day, year after year. And even when they come to Shiloh, to the tabernacle, uh, for the annual uh, sacrifices that they're going to make, it's still going on, even there in the house of God. Isn't that sad? That this, this second wife is doing this. So we're, we're introduced here to Hannah's husband, Elkanah, where they're from. They're from Mount Ephraim, referred to as an Ephrathite because of it. First uh, Chronicles 6 adds a little bit of details about Elkanah. It says he was, uh, he was a Levite. He was a descendant of Kohath. Uh, the children of Kohath, they had a responsibility when the tabernacle was, was put together. It was their responsibility to take care of the articles of worship in the in the in the tabernacle, the, the Ark of the Covenant itself and some of the other articles. That was their job. Other descendants of Levi had the responsibility of putting the tabernacle together, taking it down, getting it ready to move, and that sort of thing. And others were responsible for the sacrifices and and, and so it's very orderly. Everything the Lord does is orderly. So he was a descendant of uh, of the Co of Kohath. He was a Kohathite. Verse two tells us about Hannah's problems. She's sharing her husband, as I've already mentioned, with another wife, uh, the, the other wife being uh, named Panina. That's my pronunciation, by the way. I'm not, I'm not Hebrew. I'm not fluent on, on how that Hebrew might have been pronounced. I think it would be something, from what I've read, something like Penina, but that doesn't roll off my tongue very well. And so I'm going to say Panina. That's easier. She had no, Hannah had no children of her own, and that was considered in that culture about the worst thing that can happen to a woman uh, of, uh, of uh, a wife, that she would go through life without a, a child. Uh, it was considered, uh, I suppose, a, looked on by some as a disgrace to, a, to her husband as well. well. They can't have children. They're, they must have done something wrong. Now, of course, we know better. We know that it, uh, if a woman's not uh, able to have a child, it's not because she did something wrong. It's not because there's something wrong with her. It's just, it happens. 
And we as Christians also know that nothing happens to us by coincidence. If the Lord has chosen for someone to have children, that is fine. If someone, if the Lord has chosen for someone not to have children, He can give them other means of, of serving Him. And we know those things. But in this culture, it's a very superstitious culture. You'll see this all through the Scriptures. Uh, there's, a, there's a great deal of superstition here. And so there, there was a stigma associated with this. So Hannah would have uh, lived in that society that considered, well, it's like one of the worst things that can happen. I, I can't have a child. Now, some people speculate, I've, I've read this in some commentaries, that Elkanah only married the second wife, Penina, because he wanted to have children, and he knew Hannah couldn't. That may be. I don't know. why. It begs the question in my mind of why didn't he just trust the Lord to take care of that issue if the Lord wanted him to have children. But we've seen other people cross the pages of the Old Testament that didn't necessarily wait on the Lord to, haven't we? I'll ask another question little closer to home haven't we seen ourselves sometimes when we weren't quite willing to wait on the Lord either and we get ahead of him sometimes so maybe that's what Elkanah did we don't really know but we know there's two wives here verse 3 tells us Elkanah's family attended to regular worship because we're told that every year they went up to Shiloh where the tabernacle was and they worshiped Uh, these these uh, people lived long before the days of the church so there wasn't an established weekly time for them to come worship they had an annual time when they would go to the tabernacle and they would bring their sacrifices. And there were other feasts other than just once a year that they would go. They would go and bring offerings and sacrifices. But what we are seeing here is they did this regularly. So Elkanah led his family, religiously we'll say, to attend to the worship there. And that's a good thing for any family, isn't it? Verse 4 said that when they were there, they gave the uh, provided the sacrifices and Elkanah gave portions of that sacrificial meal to um, his family, to Penina and her sons and daughters. And then he says in verse 5 that he gave Hannah what's called there a worthy portion. Essentially that means he gave her a little bit more, a little bit larger portion. Clearly he loved Hannah and clearly he saw the the burden that she had and he was trying to to alleviate some of that pain, some of that that hurt that she was going through because no, no doubt he may not have addressed it, but you, you, you know he had to have seen the way Panina taunted Hannah in these days. He knew what was going on, and so he's trying to, to make up for it. He's trying to demonstrate his love to Hannah here. But verses 6 and 7 tell us that uh, Panina, the adversary, it's a very clear term there, isn't it? This was this was adversarial relationship, that uh, she constantly taunted Hannah about it. But I want you also to note there is nothing in these in these verses that indicate that Hannah ever retaliated. She just took it. This is a picture of a godly woman. This is a picture, if you will, of grace. She took that taunting. She took that uh, constant uh, bickering or whatever we might want to call it, and she just she just took it and said, "You know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to retaliate." Maybe her opinion was, "I'll let the Lord deal with this." Um, but I, it won't do me any good to, to, to come back at her. That, that's not going to do anything but, to, but create more family strife. So we see here that Hannah was a, a picture of grace. In verse 8, uh, we see that Elkanah, he tried to comfort Hannah. He said, it's okay that you don't have any children. It's okay. I still love you. You're my wife. You're the, you're, you're, you're the one that I want to give my, uh, bestow my love on. I care about you. And it's all right. And he tried to, to make it up for her. That's commendable. But I'll have to say, it was, I'm sure it wasn't enough. Only a woman who has gone through that 
knows what that kind of pain is. And her husband would never know what it's like. I do know what it's like to watch a lady um, want a child really bad and it just never seems to come or it doesn't come for a very long time. And that's a pain that, that husbands can share a portion of, but we can't share all of it. And I've seen it happen in, in the lives of other people. And, and so um, Elkanah, he's doing the very best he knows how here. And he's trying to, to, to make it up to Hannah. But that, the, the problem is there's still that sadness in Hannah's life. There's still that problem that she doesn't really know what to do with until, until we start to read in verse 9. So let's, let's read a few more verses in the story. We already saw that, uh, that she's, she's sad. She is, she's not eating. And she has a real burden. So let's look in verse 9. It says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. Again, this is, this is not the temple of Solomon that we think of. This is the, the tabernacle at this point. And yet it is still the temple of the Lord. Verse 10, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. That's a great conclusion to jump to, isn't it? The priest, oh, she must be drunk. Her lips are moving, but I don't hear sound. Okay, we'll move on. Verse 14, Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my, heart, my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So this is Hannah's prayer. I want you to note, at the end of verse 8, we see that, that Hannah is very sorrowful. We see that she's got a heavy burden. We see she's got a problem that she doesn't know what to do with. But I want you to note, Hannah may have been childless, but she was not helpless. That we have to let soak in. No matter what our problems are, may be a big problem, uh, but we're not helpless because we've got someone we can take that problem to, don't we, as Christians? And that's exactly what she did. She recognized there was one who could help her, and she believed that that one who could help her would want to help her. And that's what faith is, isn't it? That's what we have as Christians. It's not just that we know there's a God who could help. We have trust in our hearts that He wants to help us as His children. And that's what the Scriptures teach us. And so that's what Hannah had a, had a hold on there. Verse 9 says that this particular year, you know, there after the sacrificial feast, she, went at, she excused herself from her family and she went into the tabernacle, area, wherever the area would have been for, for prayer to be offered, and she went there to pray. Verses 10 and 11, they tell us that she was in bitterness of soul. And again, I would say only a woman who's been here could fully understand that. We can all uh, sympathize with it, but we can't all necessarily empathize with it if we haven't felt it ourselves. But she was in bitterness of soul. And it says she prayed 
And what else? She wept. There's no doubt she was sincere in that prayer, is it? She was weeping. That's how, how upset she was. And by the way, that's something that um, it's missing in a lot of modern prayers, isn't it? We don't hear about people weeping over prayer in, in their times of prayer like, uh, like we used to. I can remember hearing stories of people and even seeing people. They would, they would pray for a family member who was lost, or they would pray for some need, and they would weep before the Lord over that because they were so involved in that prayer. Well, that's what we see here with, with Hannah. And she, um, and well, I'll just ask, have you ever been to that point? Have you ever been to a point where you've got such a problem in your life, in Hannah's life, that she wanted a baby really bad? But it can be almost anything. But have you ever reached that point where you almost are, are asking yourself, even as a child of God, is God listening? Does He really care? Does He want to answer this? And I can imagine that Hannah probably reached that point from time to time. But by the time we get here, she's past that point. And she's at a point where she says, I know there's one who can help me and I believe He wants to. And I'm going to bring this problem to Him. So that's where she is. And she vowed that if God would give her a son, she'd give Him back. Lord, if you'll, if you'll just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I'll, I'll make sure that he is dedicated to serving you. That's her prayer. Verses 12 to 14, we see again Eli the priest. He's over there watching. He sees her. He, see, he can tell she's, she's not normal. Her behavior is not normal. There's something about her. We know she was very upset. He thought she looked like she was drunk. And she's... She's over there, her lips are moving, but he doesn't hear anything. So to him, it's like, oh man, she, she, we just, she just came from dinner, she drank too much, and now she's in here defiling the temple, just mumbling something, and it's not even words coming out. And so we jump to a conclusion. Ever been misunderstood at church? You're doing the right thing. You're praying maybe, or you're trying to serve the Lord in some way or another. And you're, you're really trying to do what the Lord wants you to. And somebody sitting on the sidelines looks over. They might not look at you and say, oh, he's drunk or she's drunk. But may accuse you of having the wrong motives or oh, that they're just doing that so they can be seen or, or something. It happens, doesn't it? If you've ever been in a situation, and I've seen this happen, where people, they're, doing, they're trying to serve the Lord. They're trying to do their very best and someone on the side is sniping at them. That's hard, isn't it? And Hannah is at this point when the priest is the one who is doing this. Oh, you must be drunk. I'm, I'm at a loss. Why would a priest jump to that conclusion? Why would that be your first, your, your first idea here? Why not? Ma'am, is there some way I can help you? Instead of, why are you in here drunk? That, it just To me, I've got no frame of reference for that. But it happens, doesn't it? We see it in, in churches today. Verses 15 through 17 says she explained herself. She says, no, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I haven't been drinking anything. But I, am, I do have a burden, and I'm bringing it to the Lord. And I didn't say anything out loud because there's no one here that, if, even if they heard it, there's no one here that could help me. But God hears. He hears my, the thoughts of my heart, and He can help. And so this prayer is going to Him. And so Eli blessed her, and he asked the Lord to grant her request. That's a little bit short of, a, of an apology. I'm sorry I accused you of being drunk, but at least he's going in the right direction at this point, isn't he? And he says, I'm going to pray for you, Hannah. And verse 18, it reveals a very changed Hannah, doesn't it? Look at that verse again. She said, Let thine hand may find grace in thy sight. And then, then we read these words. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. 
She's a changed person. She went back to her family and she ate. Before this, her husband said, Hannah, why aren't you eating? you got to keep your strength up. I know you're discouraged. Well, she went back and she ate. And it says she was no longer sad. This is a, pers- a picture of someone who has taken a burden in prayer to the Lord and left it there. And she has gotten what uh, Paul told the Philippians was the peace of God which passeth all understanding. She had something when she left that time of prayer that she didn't have when she went in there. Before she went to prayer, she had a, a faith that there was one who could help her and that he would want to help her. She left there thinking, I've left that burden with him and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. There was a, I was reading about it just recently, there was a, a gentleman... He lived back, I think, in the 1600s. I forget what his name was, and I even forget where he was born. It was Germany or France. He became, um, he, he had some influence, or not influence, he was a soldier at one time. He got into some political stuff and, and all this, and he decided to become a, a, a uh, to join a monastery. Not so he could become a priest, he just wanted to serve in the monastery, and he took the name of Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. And it, has, it is said of, uh, <clears throat> of Brother Lawrence that he would take things to the Lord in prayer. And then he would, if someone asked him about it, he would leave it there. And if someone asked him about it later, he would say something to the effect of, I don't worry about that anymore. Well, why not? Well, I left it with the Lord. And he can take care of that anytime he wants to. I don't need to worry about it anymore. Well, that's the picture I see of Hannah here. She just left it with the Lord, and she's going about her merry way now. Look at verse 19 of First Samuel, First <clears throat> Samuel 1. Forgive me, I've, my throat is still giving some, some, doing some weird stuff. Verse 19, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, and three bullocks, and one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock, and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, is the Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of it. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. So here we see the picture of Hannah's son. Uh, verses 19-20 tell us that after the events we were just talking about, the next day Elkanah and his family got up, they worshipped, and then they went home. Okay? So, um, and we're told there that the Lord remembered her. That, that, that doesn't, that's not an implication that the Lord ever forgets anything. He does not. He is not senile. He knows all, and He always knows all, and He always remembers all. A different way to translate that might be the Lord was mindful of her. He remembered in a sense that she's got a problem and I can fix that problem. And so he gave her a son and she named him Samuel. That literally means, that name Samuel, it means ask of God. I asked God and he gave, him, he gave me a son. 
Now, that is not to say that, that a woman who is barren can ask the Lord and He'll always give a child. He, sometimes the Lord will say no. Sometimes He'll say wait. Sometimes He'll say yes, and sometimes He'll say no. All three of those are valid answers from the Lord because He knows exactly what He's doing. He knows what we need. He knows what other people around us need. In this case, He said, yes, I'm going to give you a son. Verses 21 and 20 to 23 we read Elkanah continued to take his family to Shiloh every year to worship. They're still regularly worshiping as a family. Now Hannah said, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to go this time. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to raise Samuel until he's weaned. And then I'll go. Elkanah said, that's fine. Now there are those who say that in this time period, I don't know this personally, I didn't live then, but that it could be, a child could be three years old before a mother weaned him. I'm going, to, I'm going to say to you, I'll, I'll present, you can teach a child a whole lot of things in three years, can't you? She had this little boy. She lived in this family that worshipped the Lord faithfully. She's a godly mother. And she's got this little boy for some three years. I'll tell you what, we've got, uh, we've got a three-year-old little granddaughter. That, it amazes me how much a three-year-old can retain, how much they can learn. Samuel learned a lot, I'm sure, from his mother in those three years. And in verses uh, 24 through 28, after he was weaned, she, she followed through on her promise. She uh, took him to Shiloh with offerings to make for him there. She reminded Eli who she was. Uh, Brother Eli, I'm, I'm that lady that, that was here a few years ago and you, you thought I was drunk, but I was praying to the Lord and you prayed for me. Thank you so much. Because Let me introduce you to this little man right here. This is, this is Samuel. He's a result of that prayer. And you remember, um, I said that, I, I told the Lord, if He would give me a son, I was going to give him back. So I want to leave him here with you. I want you to teach him whatever he needs to do, and whatever he needs to know. I want him to serve the Lord here at the tabernacle. Isn't that amazing? After three years, I'm going to tell you what, you hear, you hear cases of, of women having babies and they're, they know they're going to give the child up for adoption, and they, they, they don't even want to hold that baby for a few seconds because they know they won't be able to, to let go after that. She's had Samuel for three years now, and she's willing to, to give him up. And we're told that uh, Samuel worshipped the Lord there. Isn't that good? Even at three years old, he, he had been taught to worship God, and that's what he did. And I want you to know, this, this, this helps my heart. At this point, there's no mention of Penina. There's no more the second wife over here. Nah, 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 nah. God has answered Hannah's prayer, and He shut Penina's mouth. Isn't that a blessing? That, that's a blessing on top of a blessing, isn't it, for Hannah? So that's where we are. Now I want us to read, uh, and I'll try to read through this quickly. There's a lot of verses here. But Hannah's uh, praise. In chapter 2, we read, And Hannah prayed. Now this is a prayer. It's a long one, a fairly long one, but it's a prayer. She prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. Gee, I wonder what enemy that might have been. Because I rejoice in thy salvation. There's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full of, or that were full, have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased 
so that the barren hath borne seven, and she hath many children, is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. That's praise. This is a woman standing here with her family, pouring out her heart to God, and thanksgiving and praise. This is uh, Earlier her prayer was one of sorrow and bitterness. That day's gone. This is a prayer of joy. This is a prayer of praise. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's just go ahead and say it in, in very loud terms. This is a prayer of worship. This woman is worshiping the God who saw her problem, who saw her need, and met that need. You know, isn't it sad that there are children all around us who have never even seen one of their parents worship publicly? They might get up and go to church every week. But they don't, they don't see their parents worship. They just go through the motions. Wouldn't it be better if our parents or if our children, our grandchildren, everyone around us saw us come to God's house and truly worship Him and give Him the glory and the honor and the praise and the adoration that He deserves? Well, that's what Anna's doing here. And then we see her sacrifice in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house his family with him, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. She went off and left this little boy with Eli the priest. That must have been one of the hardest things she ever did. I, I am sure that is much harder than, than listening to Penina all those years um, with whatever racket she was spewing out. But she did. She left him there with Eli. Then we see her blessing. First, look at verse 18. We'll skip down to verse 18 of uh, chapter 2. It says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat, brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So there it is. Every year, they're, they're religiously coming to the tabernacle to continue worshiping. Verse 20, And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife, and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. Verse 21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. That's Hannah's blessings. Samuel continued year after year to minister uh, before the Lord there in Shiloh. He grew up to be the last, and I would say arguably the most influential of the judges. He was a godly man. He influenced, uh, he had great influence over King Saul when he was anointed king, the first king of Israel. He had influence over the uh, the second king of Israel, David, and so he had a Hannah's faith and believing the Lord, and then raising this child up those early years, and then giving him to the Lord. She she had a part in blessing the nation of Israel for many many years to come. Yeah, she only maybe she only appeared in eleven different verses in Scripture, but she had a huge impact on the nation. And we're told that she made him clothes and brought them to him every year. I can imagine that. Look. Coming in after, if you haven't seen your little boy in a year, she's just estimating how big he'll be. And, hey, little Sammy, I brought you a coat. 
I got, got you a new coat here. I sure do love you. I sure am going to hate to see you go, but I'm thankful that you're serving the Lord. Every year, year after year after year, she did this. And Eli asked God to reward that sacrifice, and he gave Hannah and her husband three sons, three more sons, and two daughters. Isn't that amazing? She decided to take a problem to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, when the Lord decides to answer a prayer, when the Lord decides to give a blessing, He does it over, uh, what is the Scripture says, over abundantly more than we could ever imagine, more we could ask or think even. Because God's got a better imagination than we do, doesn't He? Verse 21, the last portion, says, And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. What better blessing is there for a godly mother than to seek to have a child who serves the Lord day after day after day, year after year after year. That's a, that's a tremendous blessing, isn't it? So that's a portrait of Hannah. I'm going to take... Ugh, it's getting later than I thought. I apologize. It's a little bit afternoon. I will try to wrap up quickly. There's three things I would like us to learn. Three lessons I think we see here from Hannah. Number one, Hannah teaches us to pray about life's problems, about our burdens, about um, the issues that come into our life, the sorrows in our life. She suffered a very heavy burden, and it drove her to the Lord... She began her prayer with a very heavy heart, but she ended it with a hopeful, joyful heart because she was able to take that problem to the Lord and leave it there with Him. Prayer can do that for us too. That's the lesson we need to learn. We can take a ble- uh, whatever the burden is, we can leave it with the Lord and know that He'll take care of it and He will meet our needs. We can know that with full assurance because He's told us as a child of God, He wants us to come boldly before His throne and make our request known to Him. Again, his answer may be, yes, I will give you that. His answer may be, no, I'm not going to give you that because that's not best for you. And his answer may be, wait a while. Wait a while and we'll see what happens. But in any case, he will answer our prayers. And when he does answer our prayers, it's, it's far better than anything we can think. First Peter 5, 7, it reminds us, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you as one of his children. A second lesson we can learn from Hannah she teaches us to take time to shape the lives of our children. We could extend that. She teaches us to take the, life, the, the time to shape the lives of any children that we have an influence over. It could be our children. It could be grandchildren. It could be nieces, nephews, neighbor kids. It could be ladies, unfortunately. It could be the childish husband you live with. You can have a godly influence on him as well, right? So it teaches us, and this is what Hannah teaches. She only had a few short years with Samuel, but she made the best of them. She used that time to instill within that little boy a desire to serve the Lord. Because you don't see uh, anything in these verses that says that when she came up year by year that Samuel said, please take me home and get me out of this place. It says he served the Lord. He wanted to be there. It's never too early to teach a child about the things of God. We can teach them to have a love of, of reading the Scriptures and what, those, what the Bible has to say to them. We can teach them early uh, that they need to be at church. To come even uh, to a, Children can go into a nursery class, they can go into a Sunday school class, to a worship service such as this one. We can teach them to, to enjoy, to, to uh, enjoy singing the songs of God, the hymns of the faith, and teach them to appreciate that kind of music. We can teach them the, the importance of prayer as children of God. All of these things. We can teach them very early. It's never too early to start teaching them that. A third lesson that we that I think Hannah teaches us is to follow through on our promises. 
she could have found, I'm sure, any number of excuses not to take Samuel and give him back to the Lord. Could have been, yeah, he's the only son I got. Lord, if you'll give me another son, then I'll give you one of them. And she didn't do that. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And that's exactly what she did. She prepared him for that and she took him. And there's no indication in, in, in any of these verses that there was any level of hesitation on her part to leave him there with Eli to serve the Lord. Her example then is to keep promises, to fulfill the vows that we make to the Lord. But not only to keep promises to the Lord, but to keep promises we make to other people as well. I think she's teaching us there as well. Because no doubt, I, I suspect she had shared with her husband Elkanah, look, if the Lord gives me a son, I'm going to take him to the to the tabernacle. I'm going to leave him there. And he's going to serve the Lord there. She made that promise not only to the Lord, but to her husband her family as well. And she followed through with it. So these are lessons I think that we can learn from Hannah. I think we can all agree that these are these are lessons that are important for all of us. Whether we're men, women, little boys, little girls, we can learn these kinds of lessons. If you would bow with me now, we'll close in prayer. I'll just remind you, um, Hannah may have stepped out of, out of obscurity just briefly, but uh, her example, again, it carries through to every generation uh, of Christians, I believe. I think we all have much to learn from her. And one of the things, as a child of God, she understood she could take every need she had to the Lord. It didn't matter what. She could always take them to the Lord. If you're here this morning, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ, there's one burden you need to take to the Lord, and that's the burden of your salvation. I would invite you to do that. I want to read a few more verses here. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is, a, that is extremely good news. It says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's good news. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you, if anyone is here this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that, to give that consideration today. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place until you have, have done business with God today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to read the example of Hannah here in the Scriptures. Uh, briefly, she crossed the pages of history, only a few verses in Scripture dedicated to her life, to her testimony. But what a testimony it was. This is a woman who had a burden. And uh, she didn't suffer that burden alone because she realized there was one in heaven who could help her. And she had the faith to believe that that one in heaven, you, Heavenly Father, were willing to help her. That you would be desirous to help her. We thank you for that faith. And we thank you, Lord, that you answered her prayer in the affirmative. You allowed her to have a little boy. She raised him and she dedicated him to serving you. And he became a tremendous blessing to the nation of Israel. We thank you for that, that legacy of Hannah, that legacy of Samuel. And we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from, uh, from Hannah's example. Father, we pray that you would teach us. We pray, Lord, that as we look into the Scriptures, we would always be cognizant of the fact that these are real people. These are not fables. These are not just characters that someone's made up. These are real people who live lives just like we live. They have burdens just like we have. And the example we can follow with Hannah is we can come to you in prayer and we can leave our request before you. We can leave our burdens with you knowing that you want to serve, that you want to, uh, to help us with those burdens. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted Christ as their Savior, 
I pray that you might burden their heart this morning, that they might see that they need Jesus Christ in their life. They need uh, for Him uh, the payment that He provided for their sins. They need that pardon and forgiveness that only comes with faith in Him. And we pray that you'd lead them to that saving faith today. So go our separate ways, Lord. We pray that you'd go with us, that you'd bless the rest of the day. That uh, Many may be uh, celebrating with families today. We pray that you'd bless those times, that it be times of enjoyment. But that it also be times, Lord, that we would remember the blessings uh, that you bestowed on each of us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.